The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some uh, Nebraska football. We welcome in Dr. Rob Zadiska with us and the uh, Doc Talk podcast. You find that uh, wherever you love listening to podcasts. And we say hi to Dr. Rob. Rob, uh, how many things did you break Saturday, or are you beyond that in your Oscar fandom? Oh, I'm probably beyond that at this point, I think. You know, I'm kind of at the, the way I like to phrase it, I'm at the stage where I just crack open another beer, I think. <laughs> so, uh, were you able to uh, to make some pretty good money in recycling uh, earlier this week? <laughs> you know, you say make money in recycling by drinking beer. That sounds like my wife when she shops at a sale. Hey, I saved money. Uh-huh. I, well, saved us, I saved us money. Yeah, well, uh, you and the, you had a lot of Nebraska fans frustrated. So, what did you see? We'll start with your area of of knowledge. You know it all, but I'm saying offensive line. What did you see uh, from Nebraska's O line? And let's talk red zone specifically. Put your football hat on, um, and and yeah, go, you know, I, go go with me on on some red zone as well after the O line play. I mean, where where can Nebraska get better as well, well in that spot? I, well, I think. I think I've seen some improvements from a personnel standpoint. I do like what I'm seeing from Ben Hart. I want to see a little more aggressiveness from him. I want to see a little more fire from that kid. Um, Same with Piper. I think you've got a guy with Ethan Piper who's a kid who kind of has sort of a lot of raw potential. He just has to kind of dial it in, not jump off sides, uh, and kind of get that raw power focus. But I think in terms of one-on-one, I mean – when he's locked onto a guy, you're not seeing seeing those guys get beat one on one, and that that's something that's nice to see. Now, um, the the thing I'd like to see a little more productivity out of out of Hymas. I mean, you got a guy who people keep saying this guy's like a great tackle, NFL chops. He's going in the draft. Thank goodness he came back for a senior year. I, I'm not seeing that lockdown at that left tackle spot that you want to see where a guy is just kind of a wall out there that you can put him on an island against a solid defensive end or outside linebacker, and he's just going to stone guys. Um, I'm still seeing a little bit of pressure. I'm not seeing the domination in the run game at that uh, from those left tackle blocks that I want to see yet. Now, is it bad play? Absolutely not. Frankly, it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I just want to see better. I want to see NFL-caliber productivity from a guy who's supposed to have NFL-caliber ability there. Um, the other thing that, that kind of really stood out to me is I think you're seeing how potentially fragile 
the the personnel is on the team right now in terms of if a certain key guy goes down, how does that shake things up? And when you saw Cam Jurgens not in there, I think it kind of threw everything for a loop. Mm-hmm. He can be a game changer in terms of his productivity, at least in terms of how Nebraska football is currently. You've got to have him in there. And if you don't and you're moving Matt Farniak over, it just, oh my, it, it, it's just, it's a step back. And it, truth be told, I thought watching Will Farniak play center last year was a little smoother than watching Matt Farniak at center on Saturday. It just, I, I'm a little puzzled by that move, and I don't know if it's the case of, hey, we're going to put the the really huge fifth-year senior there at the center position and think that that's going to be better than maybe putting a guy who's a little smaller, a little less experienced in his younger brother there and hope we get a better productivity mm-hmm. because I don't think we did. Well, so, and, I mean, that's, it, kind of, that's kind of my overall O-line mm-hmm. assessment. Rob Zadisk is with us, uh, Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, him and Travis Justice do a podcast at HH Rob is uh, on Twitter is where you find Dr. Rob Zadisk. So when it comes to red zone, I know what you guys did. I know what uh, some of Scott's successful offenses did when he was down at, at Central Florida or when they had a guy named Stanley Morgan. Uh, that's not been the case for a couple of years. How do you uh, get well in the red zone if you're Nebraska, Rob? Score before you're inside the 20-yard line. <laughs> well, yes, I understand that. Yeah, but the big you know, play's been I elusive. <laughs> which I say that only kind of partially tongue-in-cheek. I mean – I'd be curious to look, and I haven't done this, I mean, but it'd be curious to see a breakdown statistically looking at Oregon's offenses, looking at those Central Florida offenses that were clicking under Frost. How did, you know, where were those guys actually scoring from? I mean, were they actually scoring frequently from inside the red zone or were the points going in before they ever got to the red zone? and I think that's a reasonable question to ask. I, I don't think his offense is designed to pound it in from the five-yard line against a goal-line defense. Uh, if, if it is, it's designed to do it from the shotgun snap, hopefully having like four different guys doing crossing patterns across the, uh, across the end zone. That's how you do it. You're not going to pound it in from five yards out with the personnel they currently have. I mean, that's just kind of my assessment. Mm-hmm. Now, I, that's also one of those things. I, I'm always bewildered by an offense that finds basically no use for a fullback. I mean, fine, don't have a fullback, but kind of have sort of a have a couple of guys who are sort of those hybrid tight end guys. In the NFL, we call them H backs. Mm-hmm. Those six two, six three. 245-pound guys, kind of those small blocking tight ends that essentially are tall fullbacks. Give me a couple of those guys blocking out of the backfield. Osborne, I mean, basically Osborne used the wingback oftentimes in that particular role. I mean, you had guys like Nate Turner, you had Cluster Johnson, guys who could catch the ball, they could run the ball, but, oh, my God, they're just absolutely devastating blockers on the run. And we just don't have somebody currently, I think, that fits that bill. It's either it's either a 6'9 Austin Allen or it's, it's a Diedrich Mills. 
And those aren't guys that are going to be able to to fulfill that role. I think you just, you got to have an additional blocker, and we just don't have that in this offense. Rob, I just love talking offensive line play. I want to keep going down that, but we're talking red zone right now. And against Northwestern, six trips to the red zone, only 13 points. Obviously, that's not acceptable. Do you think that offensive line is going to be offended that Scott didn't allow them to, to go to work down inside the uh, inside the red zone? It felt like there were a lot of, well, uh, of questionable calls from, uh, from well, Frost. Maybe a little bit. You had the one running play where Mills went off, to, off right tackle, I guess more off right tight end, and it got blown up. Um the it's one of those situations where part of it's also the blocking scheme and in a lot of what you see in a lot of these spread offenses guys are almost taught to almost shield guys off as opposed to just push them back and change that line of scrimmage now the shield shielding a guy off essentially works well if you can do it but i mean if sometimes it's hard to get, if you're going against a really big, really physical defense that has some solid speed, which that describes about eight out of ten defenses in the Big Ten conferences, mm-hmm. big, strong defenses that have some speed. Now, if you're going against kind of a really small, fast-flashing defense, it works maybe a little bit better in the classically a Pac-12, a a Big 12-type defense. If you're going to play Big 10 ball, if you're going to play SEC football, even ACC, you're going to have to be able to just line up and push a guy backwards. And these guys currently, I mean, from a schematic standpoint, I don't think by design are doing that. Rob Zadig is with us on Alvar City Radio, and uh, you can find Rob on Twitter uh, and uh, do so uh, a couple of different ways to uh, find Rob on Twitter at Doc Talk Sports for Dr. Rob Zadiska and at HH Rob on Twitter. You had to deal with uh, the two quarterback system due to injury, not just a guy getting pulled, but is it something that, that could cause problems in a locker room? Oh, in Nebraska's current situation, I doubt it. Um, I mean, in the situation we were in, I mean, we had two guys that, boy, you had good arguments for either guy, really, with Brooke and Tommy. Um, But, I mean, you also had a situation where – in my opinion, I think there's currently a measurable productivity difference right now between those two guys. Um, and I liken it maybe more to maybe or that early 92 season where Tommy was the heir apparent and Mike Grant was the starting quarterback at the start of that year. But I think that was by design. I think Osborne essentially knew Tommy was going to be the guy. He just didn't want to rush him out there too quickly. And he kind of felt, hey, let's get through the non-conference season. Once we hit the conference season, where those wins seriously count, and we got to, we, we got to get to the Orange Bowl if we're going to have a shot at anything meaningful, that's when he started Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, we saw in practice every day, we, we saw that difference in where you're sitting there going, okay, it, it's Frazier is obviously the more productive guy over Mike. And I love Mike. He's a great guy and a solid quarterback. But nobody's going to sit back in Nebraska Cornhusker history and say, 
Yeah, boy, that was a hell of a quarterback controversy between Mike Grant and Tommy Frazier. No, they won't. No, no. As a true freshman, Tommy was by far and away better, and we kind of wondered why Osborne didn't start him sooner. Um, and so that's that's kind of what I think. I don't think it's as clear cut now, but I think that you're seeing okay. You got to do something. And sometimes that's making a change at quarterback. And right now, I think you see just enough of a measurable productivity difference when those two guys are in that I think you need to make that change. Rob Zadiska is with us, Hall of Famer at uh, that part of the pipeline on the Nebraska National Championship team with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Rob, last thought, and thanks so much for jumping on with us. When it comes to, to Saturday, how do you feel about it? Do you think Nebraska can go out and get a win? Is this thing going to be a shootout? Do you think it's going to be a situation where both teams have underperformed offensively, so it's a little lower scoring? Any gut thought as we're a few days out still? Man, I have no clue. And that's kind of the whole thing about this season. And part of the reason why I say there's a little bit of kind of acceptability to whatever we see this year, I, I don't want to say you toss this year. We needed this year. We needed guys to play football this year. Mm-hmm. It had to happen. I, I don't know if we're in a they had to win this year. We had to see measurable wins. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that, however, is because in in the scope of things, it's such a disjointed run-up to the year. We're going to have the season – Wait, no, the Big Ten's going to kibosh everything. We're not playing at all. Oh, wait, yeah, we are. We are going to go ahead and play this year. I I mean, it was just there was no continuity. There was no consistency to the practices, to the preparation. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing such a hodgepodge out of the Big Ten conference right now where you're seeing – Michigan looks absolutely not like Michigan. Ohio State looks fine, but for Pete's sakes, it's Ohio State. Indiana could potentially be the best team in the conference. A very, very talented, don't get me wrong, Iowa is a very talented team, but a very talented Iowa team is, is, is one and two right mm-hmm. now. So, And their one win is against, i got to be honest with you, I know they knocked off Michigan and Ann Arbor. Michigan State is not a good football team right now. They'll be fine. I think they're going to be okay here in a few years. But right now, Michigan State's not good. So don't go thinking Iowa beat a great team on Saturday. They did. They're one and two, and they're one wins against the so-so team. There's just absolutely no rhyme or reason to the Big Ten Conference thus far. And so it's – I don't know what to expect. I think we'll see – I think we'll still see a sloppy game. We're going to see some penalties. We're going to see some mind-blowing turnovers. I hope we see Luke McCaffrey at quarterback, and I hope we see some of these other younger wide receivers. I want to see a ball thrown – more balls thrown to bets. I want to see – um, oh, the other freshman who actually had a bunch of playing time sad. Fleming? Who am I thinking? Fle- I want to see Fleming. a lot more Fleming. I, I want to see Wandale get into the game, get be, be a major, major contributor. Uh, you, you look at uh, some of these other young guys that are out there, 
um, let's see what these guys can do. Let's get the ball to them and let's see if they can. Let's see if they can do a little bit of damage. I like what I'm seeing on the opposite side of the ball. I mean, you look at Rymers, you look at Nick Henricks, you look at guys like Ty Robinson up front. You look at Farmer at safety. I mean, there's some things to be really excited about. But I mean, man, I'm going back to when I talked to Frost and Matt Davison early spring practice of 2018, and they were saying this is going to be a three-year process. Well, yeah. that puts us to 2021. So I'm, I'm still expecting to see this disjointedness for the rest of the year, and the whole COVID and the Big Ten's handling of that is only going to contribute to that disjointedness. So uh, there, there's a 10-minute answer to one no. question of what do I expect to see on Saturday? Hey, I don't know, Good takes. sloppy. No, good takes and less slop is, is the hope, right? So Exactly. Rob Zadiska with us, uh, Husker Hall of Famer, part of the pipeline. Dr. Rob, let's get that beer soon. Thanks for a few minutes, man. Absolutely. Hey, you guys have a great rest of the day. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good to get kicked off with Dr. Rob Zadiska. Thoughts on the O-line, the red zone. And Saturday, Rick Pizzo coming up. Rick Kaczynski next hour. We welcome in with The Athletic. Does an awesome job covering Nebraska. Mitch Sherman with us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? You, you bundled up about 50 miles away? Yeah, I'm sitting on the couch, so uh, no need to be bundled up. But if I go outside today, um, yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll, that'll be in order. So this isn't Mitch on the patio. This isn't one of those Tuesdays. Okay, okay. I wish it was, Chris, but... There's work to be done, and the couch is where I'm getting it done today. Well, thanks for jumping on. So let's talk about Nebraska. You were in Evanston, and, you know, what were your takeaways with Nebraska uh, as they had a chance and couldn't finish against Northwestern? I know the, the penalties uh, have been highlighted. I know the, uh, the, the quarterback uh, situation is up for grabs, but, but Coach Lubick kind of expanded on just what's going on this week as Nebraska gets ready for Penn State, an open week of practice. And, you know, what um, What are you curious about when it comes to Nebraska's response this Saturday based on what you saw from last Saturday? Well, it's kind of all been about the offense. That's been the topic du jour uh, since Saturday. Not a lot of talk about the defense, which I'm writing about for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But understandably, there's a lot of hand-wringing about the quarterbacks, about the red zone play, about the penalties, as you mentioned. It's interesting to look back at those penalties and just see how detrimental they were to the offense throughout that game. Really, every drive where Nebraska had an offensive penalty, it had to punt. Every drive where it played penalty-free, it drove into Northwestern territory and six of eight times into the red zone. So you look at that game by itself, and you say, hey, they really they need to uh, they need to correct those penalty issues, and primarily on the offensive line or with motion uh, from other spots. And those are those are correctable penalties. Those are not you know those are more a matter of focus than they are execution. Um, there were a couple of holding, at least one holding penalty in there, but for the most part, a false start. You get a false start on first and ten to start a drive, and it seems to torpedo that possession, which 
they need to be better than that. They need to be able to mix in some big plays in order to get out from a first and 15. First and 15 shouldn't be, shouldn't be drive killing. So we'll see. We'll see what kind of improvement Nebraska makes in that area here from week three to week four or game two to game three. But, you know, in, in, in spending the last three or four hours here in front of my computer on some defensive stuff, there are some, some positives there. And we've seen some good things really at all three levels, for certainly among the front seven with this defense over the first couple of games. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. No, the defense played well. They tackled pretty well for the most part. A couple lapses here and there, but Mitch, that front seven's been nice. I want to go back to, to the offense for, for just a second when it comes to the penalties. I mean, that's kind of, to me, on the players to be more focused and go, well, be better. And it's it's been ongoing with what's derailed uh, Nebraska, and it gets into play calling. It gets into situational football and it, it affects what you what you call as a as an offensive coordinator. It affects what you ask a quarterback to do, and uh, I mean it's it's a long term domino effect. Uh, when you look at Nebraska and and where they're at offensively, where do you think this offense can go? And let's let's spend a second on tempo because I know that was a topic of conversation for this offense to to be good and thrive. I mean, do they have to be? cranked up on that tempo or can they can they kind of be a happy medium with it and still be successful because uh it doesn't feel like if, if they're not going fast or hitting a big play they're not scoring yeah i don't think they i don't think they need to be breakneck pace every every play of every possession and that's the message from matt lubick and, and what we've heard from scott frost really and seen from his offense over the years even before his time at nebraska it's not get up to the line of scrimmage and and play as fast as you can every play of every possession really they they generally start a little bit slower and when they get that first first down is when they crank up the pace and there are some other things that factor into that too obviously if you don't have rhythm because you're not completing passes or because you have a penalty here or a penalty there those things are going to slow down your ability to have tempo and 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 frost and lubick also both talked this week about making sure that they stay at a tempo that's going to that's going to work best for the defense too. Um, interesting to ask Eric Janander about that today. And he said, bring it, you know, we, the offense is going to do what they need to do, but we want to be on the field. The defense clearly is not worried about the offense playing too fast and having a three and out and getting them back out there on the field. He said, every time we go on the field, it's an opportunity for us to make a big play, get a turnover, get a sack, do something good for the team. And, and really, when you look at the game against Northwestern, if Nebraska was conservative at all with its tempo because of the defense, it didn't play out in the way that the game worked. The, the defense had its two worst possessions at the, on the first possession of the game for Northwestern and on the first possession of the second half. So there's nothing about those two possessions that would indicate the defense had a problem because it was not well-rested. Those were the possessions where it was most well-rested. So that, that's, that's, um, that's something for Nebraska to look at. You know, maybe this defense plays better when it's in the flow of the game, and there's not a reason to be concerned. Now, if you're going out there and you're having three and out, three and out, three and out for an entire quarter, and you have your defense out there for 12 out of 15 minutes, sure, that's going to be a problem. But what we saw in that game on Saturday is that they play better when they're in the middle of the, the middle of, of the flow. And if that, if that means that the offense having some tempo can help out the defense, well, that, that should help the offense too. So, um, and I think, 
um, with the situation at quarterback. We don't know what it's going to be Saturday. But from what I saw against Northwestern, they're more comfortable going at a faster pace with Luke McCaffrey on the field. Right now, where he's at in his progression, for whatever reason, he seems more at ease. Nebraska seems more at ease. Maybe it was just the fact they were in two-minute offense at the end of the game when he played. But they seem to work more efficiently with him in that fast-tempo system. So if we see Luke McCaffrey for an extended period of time, either as a starter or coming in in place of Adrian Martinez against Penn State, look for them to up the tempo in those spots. Mitch, if if McCaffrey gets the start, do we not see Adrian at all, or do we, you and I don't know? But how do you how do you play that? Do you, do you still go with this uh, double headed monster type setup uh, like you had against Ohio State, or do you just let Luke take it and run? Yeah, I think we saw in Game Two that they're going to move away from that double headed monster. I thought we'd see it, and you know we talked last week, yeah. and I had no reason to believe that they would go away from what worked in game one and playing a lot, Luke McCaffrey quite a bit as a running back, as a receiver, as a quarterback coming in off the bench. And that wasn't the case. I believe he may have played one play in the first half. I, if, he, if he did, I missed it, but I read somewhere else mm-hmm. um, that he came in and stood by Martinez for, a, for a, a one snap in the first half. Otherwise, he came in with two plays left in the third quarter. And that's the first we saw of him, which was a completely different a completely different approach than what Nebraska did against Ohio State. So I think they want to go with that with that that way of doing this where one quarterback is is the guy. Um, and I would expect to see even less of Adrian Martinez in kind of a, a of a um a, a, a receiver or running back role. That doesn't seem to fit him as well as it does Luke McCaffrey. I think if McCaffrey's the starter then Martinez is going to be standing on the sideline unless they decide to make a change and put him back in full-time at quarterback. Mitch, what do you make of Penn State? Uh, There's lots of compliments this week. I know how close they were to Indiana. Indiana's a top-ten team now. They were able to score on Ohio State. That's crazy. Yeah, I know, isn't it? They're they're good. And and, uh, then you, you look at what Maryland did. I mean, Maryland dropped a nuke, and Loxley looks way different from week one with uh, yeah. with uh, Tulia and that offense and his juke. I mean, Maryland looks great right now. I mean, they've gotten better. So what do you expect Saturday? Points, minimal points. I know Nebraska is chasing it. They need a win. They want to win. Yeah, both of these teams need and want to win. Penn State's a talented team. Uh, you heard, I believe it was Chenander today, say, that they're a top 10 team in terms of their talent. And I wouldn't dispute that, although they've lost some guys. They lost Journey Brown, their running back, before the season to a medical condition. They lost Micah Parsons, their star linebacker, who was a Buckus uh, favorite. To, to, uh, to, he opted out during the, uh, before, actually before the Big Ten cancellation in early August. Penn State is not the team that it looked to be in July, but still very talented. Sean Clifford at quarterback has taken a step back from where he was at, you know, similar situation perhaps to what Nebraska has gone through with Adrian Martinez. And, you know, they're going to be lacking in some confidence right now after the way things went against Maryland. That was, that was a shocking result. I didn't expect Maryland to go into 
State College and and put up those kind of points. I don't know. I, I don't know what kind of Penn State team we're going to get. I think at some point in this season, if Penn State continues down this road because of the expectations and the aspirations that it had before this season, that Penn State expected to be contending for the college football playoff. It, it thought, hey, we can do this in week two and beat Ohio State, and then it's it's smooth sailing somewhat from there to finish off an undefeated season. I mean, it was a legitimate thing to think about for James Franklin and his team with the way that they've recruited in recent years and the way that they've played uh, under him, the progress that they've made to be 0 three right now is just, it's a stunning development. And you have to wonder where those guys heads are at. And at what point in the season where so many sacrifices are required of these players to go through COVID testing every day to, um, you know, have all the things different in their lives because of this pandemic that we're living in. You wonder where their heart is in this and, and, and when their commitment begins to waver. Not to say that that's happened, and certainly it could happen anywhere where a team's losing. So you have to be wary of that at Nebraska, too. But I think it's more of a concern at Penn State after three straight losses because of what this team expected to, to do at the beginning of the year. So we could really get anything from Penn State on Saturday. We could have the team that uh, people expected to see that comes out and finally puts it all together and is capable of blowing out anybody in the Big Ten with the exception of Ohio State. Or you could have a team that looks like it's 0-3 and, and has been through the kind of stuff over the last three weeks that this group has. Mitch Sherman's with us. Uh, be sure to read him with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter's where you follow him. Mitch, you'll have a nice uh, story on the black shirt D as uh, you got some talent on that Penn State offensive side of the ball. Mitch, thanks for jumping on, and uh, always great to chat with you. We'll talk again soon. Take care. All right. Thanks, Chris. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic. Good to hear from him. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffets, uh, about 10 minutes. Eh, check that, 20 minutes away. We'll get Coach Kaczynski's thoughts on uh, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Penn State next hour. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman, Dr. Rob Zadiska this first hour. Next hour, we'll hear from Coach Kaczynski, Rick Kaczynski. Thoughts on Nebraska, the Big Ten, and Big Ten Buffet with Rick Pizzo in about 25 minutes. Damon Barr is in, one handle a rum today. Chris Schmidt can dial us up 466-377-76-800-825-5865. So plenty of confidence with the defense. We'll hear from Coach Janander and, uh, you know, Garrett Nelson here momentarily. And, and we'll dive into some, some Matt Lubick stuff in a moment. But, you know, this is one vicious cycle slash circle going on. And it's all dependent on... Starting out clean, right? Where you get a snap, there's no penalty, you get positive yards, bang, here's where you can flow with your play calling. And and then it comes down to tempo and decision making and what's best for the offense. And, and you've seen the offense put up damn near 450 yards against Northwestern. That's probably the best defense in the Big Ten, not named Ohio State with totally different talent. But as a group, that Northwestern squad... Uh, is is good. And if they win and stay undefeated against Purdue, it'll be the Northwestern defense that carries them. You know, what we, you know, when we just wrapped up with Mitch, we don't know what to expect with Penn State. Penn State could say, screw it, let's just go out. And they're a lot like Nebraska when it comes to confidence and looking in the mirror. And, you know, how are they going to treat Saturday? Well, Nebraska wants to win. 
but Nebraska's feeling pressure. Okay. Penn State had pressure against Indiana. They had the Penn State-Ohio uh, State game. And then they got just dismantled by Maryland. So they're downing themselves heavily. And you look at some of the play calls, and Penn State's pretty heavily reliant with their receiving core, which is tremendous, on that 50-50 jump ball or back shoulder throw. And when they're hitting them, they're killing people. They're putting up 40 or 50 points, it feels like. When they're not, it's three and out. Defense is back on the field, and it got ugly. And it was payback something fierce. There was a lot of motivation for Maryland, who got worked 59 nothing last year. So, yeah, there was some uh, – let's, uh, let's punch you in the face for a while. So you could have this Penn State team that comes in that's rejuvenated and just plays free because that mentality, whoever plays the most free on Saturday – He's going to win the football game. Penn State on paper should do it. They're more talented. They have better athletes and players. If you go by the recruiting rankings, but let's see who's fighting the uh, the couch, so to speak, more on Saturday. Penn State could go off. You know, Coach Janander and his defense played their butt off, played really awesome football for the most part on Saturday. They looked better against Ohio State. Penn State, with their mobile quarterback and their receivers, they could just gash Nebraska with big plays. You go from one week against a Northwestern offense that, frankly, isn't that dangerous with a good quarterback, but he's been a manager, to a guy that's a playmaker, and that can be really good when it's coming up aces for him. If he gets into turnover situations or forces things, that's where Penn State gets into trouble. Penn State could go off. This thing could be a, a score fest, but that would require Nebraska's offense to keep the pace and score. And if you make the right call at quarterback, if you get a response from Adrian Martinez, and if he's the guy you give one more chance to respond to a bad game, he's got to come out and just ball out like he's a freshman again. Got to get his help from his offensive line. You got to play the young receivers or guys you think can make plays and give you some athleticism. You know, how ready is Nebraska to move to 2021 and let guys take their lumps this year? Or is it a situation where you look at some of those young kids and say, okay, they give us the best chance to win, even though they're not perfect and don't know it all? I don't know. I'd like to see McCaffrey get in and run this offense. But if Adrian's your starter then I absolutely understand that as well from Scott Frost's point of view, from Lubick's point of view, from uh, Super Mario's point of view, where they're giving the guy one more chance. And the the argument to that is, well, he's had two years here. It's time to move on. I don't disagree with you. If, If this week in practice, Luke looks like the same quarterback that's moved the offense. And... You just got to do a better job of play calling and executing in the red zone. Let's hear from Garrett Nelson with Nebraska and kind of their mentality, where they're at. This is, uh, again, one of the young guys for this Nebraska football team. Obviously, there's something wrong, so we got to get practice chance, more intensity, more detail-oriented. You got to run the ball harder, you know, things like that. So, um it's we're not down in any way. We're not, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves. Our coaches have done a phenomenal job of, of uh, instilling that into ourselves and changing that 
So uh, just keep on the track that we are and uh, if we need to keep changing or doing, but, you know, honestly, it just comes to being wanting it and playing. So this is Coach Chenander, and is this the one with youth? Uh, Damon's like, I don't know. We've got two. Okay, yeah, competition, competition. And listen, there's a lot of folks asking where, where Miles Farmer was in the second half, right? Uh, there's a lot of guys who liked what Newsom did. And you're seeing guys, you're seeing Reimer, you're seeing Ty Robinson, you're seeing Garrett Nelson. I mean, Nebraska's defense did well, did well enough to win on Saturday. Do you keep riding those uh, those young guys? And again, it's an open week of practice. You know, there's a lot of guys that are um, earning opportunity. We talked to the, the, the defense yesterday that... Um, you know, I'm not looking to bench people. I'm not looking to um, scare anybody. But there's a lot of young guys that are earning a lot of opportunity, and they need the they need the reps. And however you practice this week is going to determine how many reps those young guys get and how many reps those older guys get. So it's really about the team. It's about getting that first win. Who's going to give you the best chance to win? Who do you feel like enhances what you do and what you want to do? And. If, if you want to keep your job, that means make every tackle. That means start forcing some turnovers. If not, these young guys who got a taste and they want it, they could make a, a real strong push for, for more playing time. It's a good problem to have. What you don't want is guys that are supposed to be stand-up teammates once adversity hits to turn and burn the locker room down. Because getting fired, getting replaced, getting demoted, getting benched, whatever happens, it's happened to all of us. How do you react and respond and what type of work do you take and put forward as a response? That's what's very telling. So, and, And I think this locker room, guys may not like it, but their response is to go go be better. We'll have some thoughts uh, from Matt Lubick coming up and interesting comments from him. Really like hearing him talk, but I mean, he's, you know, as the the offensive coordinator, he's trying to put his finger on it. And it all kind of stems and starts with the offensive line, a veteran group. You got dealt a horrific hand with Cam Juergens and not being in there last Saturday. So you're trying to put your best five on the field and, you know, are they firing off the ball? Are they using their hands effectively enough and are you seeing ghosts as a quarterback if you're Adrian are you afraid to make a mistake Luke's just kind of out there doing his thing we'll wind down hour one with Hale Varsity chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com just try me try me back to Hale Varsity Radio Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Loaded up. Next hour, Rick Pizzo and then Rick Kaczynski back to give us his take on Penn State. And excited to, to dive in to just where this Big Ten season goes. A lot of big games this weekend that we'll cover with Pizzo. We'll get to your calls here in a minute. More your emails. Chris at HaleVarsity.com, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. And Damon put his Captain Morgan down. Who do we got on the line? We got Pete. Pete, what's up? Go ahead, bud. 
Hey, how you doing? Good, man. What do you know? Well, not too much. The roads are icy. <laughs> you uh, in Lincoln or up north, or where are you calling from? Up north, up by West Point. Okay. Question I got for you. Uh, I guess I want your, your opinion. It seems to me like when we go in at halftime, we just come out flat as a team. And it doesn't seem like we have much adjustments as far as the offense. What do you think could be the reason for that? I've seen it in many different games. Uh, acts like they're just not fired up after halftime to play. Well, part of that is, is are they worried about, oh, no, Pete? Like, are they thinking worst-case scenario? I don't doubt motivation. I, I think they're a motivated football team. I think they're a football team right now that is very – very scared of, of failure. And I know that the mantra, and Pete, thanks for the phone call, is no fear of failure. Well, they've not been playing like that on the offensive side of the football. I think the no fear of failure thing's been lived out and performed upon defensively. Uh, they're going to see a whole world of a different offense. And really, quite honestly, a bit of a hampered offense, if you want to talk truly about full strength. Uh, Damon was a little offended by uh, a Will Compton tweet earlier today as Will Compton was watching film on Penn State, Maryland, and uh, the, the, the pancake done by a Penn State left tackle or tight end on some Portland, poor Maryland defensive end was egregious and is probably a felony in most of the upper United States, but not Pennsylvania. What did you think of that tweet? The tweet where it went beyond, above and beyond grotesqueness with pancaking your man. Well, I, I had a... There I, needs to be flags for that, Damon. I had like a half cup of coffee in my mouth and it all came <laughs> spewing out after I opened that up. Uh, if you are wondering, what is Schmidt babbling about? Check out Will Compton's tweet. No, I don't want to... Talk to somebody from AT&T. Shut up. Harassment. Okay. But check out the the uh, the pancake or assault. Uh, reminder about buckling up. Nearly 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. If you're uh, in areas around the state that uh, have hail varsity, God bless you. Be safe. Uh, a quick shout out. It is Junior's birthday. Monkey turns 14. He is shaking me down for a steak later tonight. Rick Pizzo's next. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Big Ten Buffet time. We say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network at BTN, Rick Pizzo. Rick, uh, what a whirlwind in the Big Ten. How you doing? 
Man, I cannot figure out anything right now. I mean, who would have thought, right, that at this point in the season, you'd look atop the Big Ten standings in the East, and Ohio State's expected, but you'd see Indiana followed by Maryland, and then you have to go all the way down to the bottom two spots to see Penn State and Michigan. Meanwhile, over in the West, Northwestern's undefeated, Purdue undefeated, even though they had to have the game last week against Wisconsin, Kansas. I mean, if this would make sense in any year, right, 2020 yeah. is the year that it makes sense. You uh, nailed that perfectly. Rick Pizzo's with us. There's so much to get to, and, and we'll get into to Nebraska and Northwestern and then Nebraska-Penn State in a moment, but I could kind of sense this storm coming in a good way for Indiana. Uh, I thought Kevin Wilson recruited exceptionally well. Coach Allen's taken that mantle and continued to get the players they want. I think their win in Lincoln was a big kind of springboard bounce for them, and, and they've played a lot of teams tough, but that was a pretty big road win for them. A year ago, you fast forward to now, and they have so much swag, and they did such a great job finishing against Penn State, but they've not gotten complacent. I know that they uh, they are at uh, a pretty tough Michigan State team that, that kind of came back to earth in Iowa City last weekend, but Indiana was one of the teams you kind of had circled to watch out for this year, didn't you? Absolutely, and I was shocked that I said this on air. I was blown away by the fact that they weren't preseason in top 25. It just made no sense to me. You're coming off an historic season last year, their best Big Ten season basically forever. You return Michael Penix. You return Stevie Scott. You return Wap Sillier. And I'm glad, Chris, that you brought up Kevin Wilson because Kevin Wilson really did an amazing job offensively with yeah. that team that where they struggled with stopping anybody, right? So then what Tom Allen realized was, I don't want to change our offensive philosophy too much, even though I'm obviously going to change coordinators, but I bring the defensive side. I was the D.C. on those teams, so let me focus on defense, and I'm going to let my coaches, who I've hired to run the offense, run the offense. Now, that sounds simple and easy. A lot of head coaches can't do that. A lot of head coaches want to really be involved on both sides of the ball and special teams, and you have to be involved to a degree but I think the ability for him to delegate and to understand, I know who my best players are, but the other guys know how to put them in a position for them to play their best. That's why the players love Tom Allen. And this is all genuine. I mean, you talk to this guy, none of this excitement and enthusiasm, none of it is forced. None of it is fake. His players love him. That hashtag LEO, which stands for love each other. I mean, that is absolutely evident inside that locker room. And I truly believe, Chris, it is a huge reason why you pointed to that Nebraska game last year. It was a huge reason why they won that game. It's a huge reason why they're 3-0. It's a huge reason why I think they are clearly establishing themselves right now as the second best team in the Big Ten. Don't disagree at all. And this is not a knock, but but Allen's kind of like your high school coach when it comes to a guy you want to play for, he's just at a power five level in in uh, a top league. I mean, he has that same same type of connection with his kids, like the, the hands-on connection you get at, at lower levels. And, and I think it's really impressive. And Indiana didn't start flipping things around until Allen showed up. I mean, he was – they'd been through a ton of defensive coordinators there, a ton of defensive coaching personnel but when you got Allen there to match things up and their lines of scrimmage, how many spread teams have worked 
at a high level in the Big Ten. There's a few. I mean, Ohio State for sure, Penn State with what they run. But on the lines of scrimmage, Rick, Indiana's different with what they run offensively and how good they are in the line of scrimmage defensively. Well, they are, and I think that goes to Tom Allen's background. He understands that if you're going to play in this league, sure, you can be like Ohio State offensively. You can score a ton of points, but what have Ohio State's struggles been in the games that they've lost? They've been porous on defense. It's had nothing to do with their offense. You want to play championship football, I understand you can score a million points. Clemson's defense has been phenomenal. Alabama's defense has been not as good lately, but when Nick Saban started that whole thing, it was based around defense first and foremost and a great line of scrimmage both defensively and offensively. Tom Allen knows that. He has tapped into something. He's also tapped into recruiting in Florida, which is huge. He's tapped into belief, and I think his timing, right? Timing is a lot of it right now in this world. And last year, I think they hit the timing at just the right moment. And this year, clearly, the timing is at the right moment. Who knows what we'd be talking about? If Michael Penix's touchdown against Penn State is overturned, maybe we'd be having a completely different conversation. But, hey, this is a game of inches, and Indiana has taken that inches, and they are running with it. Give me your thoughts on Maryland. Their 180 from what Northwestern did to them. Is, is a lot of that Northwestern? Is, is a lot of that game one? And then you've seen Maryland really take off, and they just hammered Penn State. Uh, little two is phenomenal. Loxley's got a bunch of JUCO guys sprinkled in on that defense, and they looked incredible. And Maryland's always had really good athletes. They just uh, sometimes don't don't put it together. But uh, are you buying Maryland, or are you still a little cautious with them? I know they got a big one, but they get to host Ohio State. Yeah, I'm a little cautious, and here's why. Now, now Telly has been amazing. And I think Telly Atungabailoa has a chance to put up numbers this year that may be second only to Justin Fields sure. because of the offense that he plays in. And Mike Loxley is an offensive genius. There's no doubt about that. And he is a bona fide top-notch recruiter. I mean, to get guys that were Kim Jarrett. And recruiting is also getting transfers like Tunga Vailoa to come to your place. And when I talked to Talia last week, he basically said Mike Loxley was the first, second, and 100th reason why he decided to go to Maryland. <laughs> now, that being said, they laid a giant egg against Northwestern, and the win against Minnesota was huge, but Minnesota was down a million guys defensively, right? Mm-hmm. And Penn State just didn't show up last week. Now, I don't take anything away from that win because they dominated Penn State from start to finish. It almost seems like Penn State, though, is starting to look toward 2021 already right, with no Micah Parsons declaring for the draft and your top two running backs and Journey Brown and Noah Kane unavailable. It almost seems like they're kind of playing out the string early right now. But I think this weekend shows us a lot. I don't think Maryland has any chance to beat Ohio State. But can they hang? Can they offensively do against Ohio State what they did against Penn State, what they did against Minnesota? Or do they revert to what happened against Northwestern? I think this is the week that we really take – the temperature of Maryland to find out if they are a team that legitimately could post potentially a winning record. I mean, you've already beat Penn State, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so you lose to Ohio State, you're sitting at 2-2 two and two with four to go. Why can't you win three out of those last four? I think we'll know a lot more after their performance against OSU. Big Ten buffet time. It's Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo, Rick, a thought with uh, where Nebraska's at, your takeaway with the Northwestern game, and, and you know what do you see being a couple of – 
uh, difference makers for or against Nebraska, against Penn State? Can, can Nebraska, their defense has played well, but Penn State's pretty explosive offensively. Yeah, I'll start with the Northwestern game. You and I spoke last week, right? And I, and I said, if this is a low-scoring, ugly game, Nebraska is going to lose the game late. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, listen, you can't play that style of football against that team. And I know it's easy to armchair quarterback, right, and say that from the side when you're playing against the defense that's as fundamentally solid as Northwestern's. But I think if you were to ask Scott Frost or anybody on that staff what they couldn't do, you couldn't cause self-inflicted wounds with penalties, you have to convert in the red zone, and you certainly can't give away chances to score. They did all three of those things in bunches. You're not going to beat anybody when you turn the ball over twice, either at or inside the goal line, when you have big-time plays called back because of really silly penalties, too. These were just like the fundamentally unknown penalties that you just can't take. I mean, being you know, 10, 12 yards downfield uh, you know, on a pass play, and, and I mean – I was listening to the second half of that game as I was driving around, and I just kept scratching my head. And I, I think I heard my good friend Matt Davison say, oh, my goodness, about 12 times based on things that Nebraska had done that are just going to come back and absolutely crush you. So if you have any chance to beat Penn State this week, Chris, the first thing you have to do is not beat yourself. And Nebraska did not do that last week. Why do you think Nebraska is beating themselves? I mean, these aren't young guys – making mistakes this was older classmen this was seniors yep yep i wonder chris if there's a little bit of pressure right now on Mm -hmm. all of these guys i wonder if they're playing a little tight i really do um and sometimes the only thing that allows you to play free is to win but to win you have to be able to play free right it's the old chicken or the egg scenario i mean which which one has to come first and if winning has to come first well how do you play free to win if you haven't won yet and you don't know how to do it, uh, that's why every coach will tell you that the first signature, the first trademark win of a season is always going to be the springboard to any kind of success because then the guys start to believe. We're talking a lot about Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. That Penn State game allowed them to believe. Why would Nebraska believe right now? And, and I think sometimes that gets in the head of guys that want it so badly and, and want to succeed and want to be the guy that make that play that you end up not just doing your job. You end up trying to do other guys' jobs. And when that happens, that's when you make mistakes. Quarterback situations, uh, the, the talk of, of Lincoln and, and the state, and uh, we're wondering where Scott goes. You've seen both quarterbacks, Luke McCaffrey, Adrian Martinez, Adrian pulled, and Luke came into the fourth quarter. And did well. Uh, a tough interception on the on the goal line on a deflection. But uh, we're thinking that, that maybe it's it's Luke McCaffrey time. Time will tell. Just because of, of Coach Frost, how how close he is with Adrian. I mean, that was kind of his first cornerstone recruit, Rick. And I think this is a really tough situation if you're a head coach that has to make this choice because I compare this. To, with my hockey background, mm-hmm. if you're a coach and you have to make a goalie change, you can only do it so many times before you lose both of your top two guys. If you change out number one for number two, what does that do for the ego and the psyche and the ability of number one if he has to come back in when number two struggles? And that is exactly what Scott is dealing with right now. Now, if it were me, 
I would start Luke McCaffrey this weekend based on what I saw this week, based on what I've seen from Adrian over these couple of games and also dating back to last year. I think it's time for Luke McCaffrey to start and have a chance, have an entire quarter, quarter and a half where this is his football team. You know, we saw him in stretches. You, you mentioned that Indiana game last year. He almost brought them back in that game. He, he has shown the ability to do that, and Adrian continues to struggle. I, I think maybe some time on the bench could be a good thing for Martinez, and I understand why this is going to be a really hard decision either way for Scott, but I think it does, Chris. I, I think it doesn't just come down to the ability for one guy to lead a team to points. It also comes down to knowing that you have both guys mentally where they need to be if making a change doesn't turn out the way you want it to make. Rick Pizzo's with us. Big Ten Buffet, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick, real quick, three games of interest uh, Friday night. Got Minnesota, Iowa, both teams now in the win column. This should be pretty good. Minnesota seems to be getting closer back to full strength. Yeah, I think this tells us which Minnesota and which Iowa is for real the rest of the way. Iowa just destroyed Michigan State, but Michigan State was uh, non-existent in that game. And as for Minnesota, it seems like as they're starting to get players back, they're starting to become the Minnesota of 2019 again. A thought here, what do you make of Wisconsin knocking the rust off as uh, it's uh, Michigan and Wisconsin on Saturday? It's so hard, right? Who's going to play? I mean... Uh, I guess if you go by the official word and the testing that came back, it would be exactly 21 days, right, for the Michigan game. But how much have you actually been able to play your starting quarterback? And is Graham Mertz going to be ready? And we don't know because there's no public sharing of the information of which players are still in that protocol and who's being contact traced and who's ready to go. I mean, literally, we're going to turn that game on on Saturday night and be like, oh, he's playing, or oh, he's not playing. It's it, it's such a wait and see. That game is probably more of a wait and see than any other game that we've covered in the Big Ten in, I don't know, eight, ten years. Yeah, and this, this Michigan rebound, uh, I mean, they're really reeling. And uh, Harbaugh is continuing to stay the course. This one is pretty tasty. Northwestern, their defense has been fantastic. Purdue's just survived. And they've done it uh, against Iowa. They've looked good uh, in week two. Uh, and, and hung on against Illinois. Of course, their game against Wisconsin was canceled. But tell you what, with, with no uh, Rondale and they had to roll with the punches with Brom being out, Purdue's been pretty battle-tested. This thing's pretty tight. I think Vegas says minus three, and that's the primetime game on BTN. I think Aiden O'Connell is better than we expected. The fact that Xander Horvath continues to rush for 100 yards is blowing my mind. And I think you can make the argument that David Bell has become the best receiver in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think you could argue that he's as good, if not better, than Rashad Bateman, as good, if not better, than Chris Olave. He's just that good. Nobody's been able to cover him, so that's what to watch when Purdue has the football. Can anybody stop David Bell from the Northwestern defense? And when Northwestern has the football, can they control the clock and run the football? If they can, again, it becomes a Northwestern-style game. If Purdue gets this sucker up in the 30s and 40s and everybody's throwing it all over the yard, that's Brom ball. That's what the Boilermakers want. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet. Rick, awesome to get caught up. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, Chris. Take care, buddy. Enjoy the games. Gotta love talking. Big Ten Buffet, uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network. At BTN, Rick Pizzo went around the league there. That was fun. A lot of great ball games. We'll see what Saturday delivers for Nebraska uh, when it comes to 
getting that first win, whether you're Penn State, whether you're Nebraska. Yeah, energy's uh, been a topic of discussion. Uh, Rick Kaczynski, plenty of that. Longtime defensive line coach with us next on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some Nebraska football. Back uh, again to, to chat, Big Red, is uh, former Nebraska defensive line coach Rick Kaczynski. And, Kaz, you've been wearing that Notre Dame gear all week? <laughs> Matter of fact, I have, Schmidt. I, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, was kind of nice because, uh, yeah, even though I'm in uh, Carolina country, you know, it's Clemson all over the state too. So my, my son had a uh, travel baseball tournament, so I had my – had my Notre Dame alumni gear on, had my hat, my shirt. So it was a nice walk around with my chest out a little bit. So uh, hopefully we take care of business again uh, this weekend at Boston College. So that's a, that's a dangerous game, you know. So anytime you get them Jesuit Catholics involved, you know, you can't, can't count them out. So, uh, so, but it's just a great game for college football. It was a heck of a, heck of a football game it on, was. Uh, on both sides. I want to ask you, where were you at? You ended, you went to Notre Dame. Uh, you played for for Holtz. Mm-hmm. Were you were you watching that infamous game against Boston College the week after oh. Florida State Notre Dame? Yeah, from the from the sideline. So yes, that was uh, that a recruiting was, visit for you? Yeah. No, I was already there. Oh, you are. There. Oh, you were there. Yeah, oh. I was there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I thought, thought we had the national championship, man. You know. Uh, be Florida State, just euphoric, uh, especially it, it. It's just amazing, um, you know the the people that were on the field that day. I think the and I think that was the uh, first actual college game day on campus. There was just such a such a buzz uh, around campus, around the city of South Bend, and uh, just the way the game ended. You know, last play of the game, just two teams battling, just unbelievable, and then. Uh, um, you know, to lose it next week. But I think people would, would people forget was how good of a, a team Boston College was. It wasn't like it was two and nineteen. Yeah, and you know, Pete Mitchell, I, they they had some they had some guys, they had some NFL guys on defense and um, you know, unfortunately they had a great kicker too. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then we go down beat A and M, who was undefeated. I think they had a tie that year, and then because uh, Coach Holtz told everybody all year how bad we were, <laughs> nobody wanted to give us a, a share of the title. But you know, if you remember it, uh, there was a sentiment for old Bobby Bowden. You know, the old poor old Bobby Bowden got, can't can't win a national championship. So I think I think we got hosed a little bit. We should have had we should have had a share. But I would love to play Nebraska. That would have been a heck of a deal having played Nebraska and Notre Dame there that year. I, I think, if if I'm not mistaken, that was a possibility uh, leading into the bowl season. So that would have, that would have been a heck of a deal. Well, and Kaz, I mean, you asked Nebraska fans; they they'd had their fill and share of seeing Miami or Florida State in the Orange Bowl on New Year's Day night. They were all about trying to play. Notre Dame. Now that Florida State Nebraska game is, as you know from being here, 
still irks a lot of Nebraska fans. Oh yeah. Well, same for us. Maybe we went, you know, we went to the Cotton Bowl two years in a row. Yeah. And uh, Cotton Bowl was great. That's when the Cotton Bowl was the Cotton Bowl. You know, you didn't have sixty bowl games or whatever. It was uh, considered a major bowl. But going there, then playing A and M back to back, fighting their backyard, just uh, yeah. You know, we would have much rather seen a Nebraska or a rematch of Florida State, but uh, not sure. Not sure. You know, those are those are those are people that make a lot more money and wear uh, wear different coats than you and I do, brother. <laughs> Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio, still smiling about his Fighting Irish and the win over Clemson. So uh, I want to get into to Nebraska a little bit and. You know, you uh, we, we kind of highlighted last week just how tough it is to, to kind of put Northwestern away. And Northwestern jumped out. Nebraska took a lead. And then red zone turnovers, a number of penalties. You know, a big decision awaits for the quarterback this week if Nebraska sticks with Adrian or if they go with Luke McCaffrey and – Kaz, you, you've coached D-line and you've played offensive line. And I, I want your thoughts and just how you'd, you'd go about kind of cleaning up penalties. And it's not young guys, but it's older guys making mistakes. And, and I think right now this team's really just just chasing it. They want to win so bad and it's not happened and they're working on that. But that said, the the self inflicted wounds part is uh, has been an issue. And how do you how do you deal with that as a coach? And then you know communicate that to your kids. Yeah, well, I think you hit it. I hit. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Where you, when you said self inflicted, um, you know, I think when you when you go back, you look at that game and and watching it live on Saturday. Um, you know, Nebraska Nebraska beat itself. They had plenty of opportunities. Uh, to win that football game, which you know, w- which gives you gives you hope, gives you chance. Um, you know, uh, Northwestern. That's a good, solid football team. Very well coached. You, you know exactly what you're going to get. But but Nebraska, Nebraska had an opportunity to 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 win that game. Um, what was unfortunate about it, it, and a little bit alarming, is you had, I believe, all all starting five line, uh, five linemen had a penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's where it starts, Schmidt. You know, you, you got to take care of business up front. Um, and just like positive, those negatives, those penalties, you know, thing, things are contagious. Um, how you correct that, you, you, need, you need somebody in the huddle. You know, you need somebody on the sideline. That, to me, those are things that are, that are corrected by the players. Right? Enough's enough, man. Because really what it comes down to, it, it comes down to engagement and focus. And, um, and if you don't have guys that, that can handle the little things, how can you expect them to handle the big things? And those are really, really, really little mistakes that, that cost them, that cost them big time. Um, and uh, so I think if, but, but the good thing, I think this, there are also things that you can clean up, right? You come in on Sunday, um, you know, you're going to remember that feeling in the locker room. Uh, you're going to remember that feeling walking out to the bus, that plane ride back in complete silence, hopefully, you know, a lot of time to yourself. Uh, it, it comes down to right now, individually, what do you got to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Because, you know, enough's enough, and, and this has got to get cleaned up, and this has got to get fixed. So, so 
that's uh, that's the way I would look at it, and this is the conversation I would have as a coach to my players. Right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I would say the staff put these guys in position to win the to win the game. In my opinion, uh, everybody can coach better. Everybody can play better. So it's up to the players now to clean those things up that they can control. And uh, I think if you, you take away those penalties, um, you know, that turnover, that was an unforced error. Turnovers are part of the game. They're going to happen. But you got to make people – you got to make people earn it. Um, and you just can't throw the ball up, right? you got to hold on to the ball, and you got to stop people on third and – on third downs, I know it, it sounds so easy and it's so much more difficult than people think. But when you have, I don't think it's a young team, right? Uh, I mean, it's year three. These are things that got to get take, taken care of or it's going to be a really, really long season. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, defensive line coach at Nebraska uh, during the uh, Bow era. And, you know, I, I tell you, it is – up to the players. I mean, coaches can only do so much. I'm interested, Kaz. You, are you lifting a car, dude? What's going on? I'm in the park. I'm, I'm in a parking lot at work, Schmidt. I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just jumped in my truck, <laughs> so you guys wouldn't get that on the feedback there. No, we're good. I just had to ask if if you're uh, if you're going Ferris Bueller's day hey, off. Times here are hard, man. Times are hard. You know, you know, got Biden and Harris sitting now, so hey, you do what you got to do. Oh, Kaz, <laughs> I gotta I gotta switch it around. Have you been impressed? Uh, penalties aside, obviously, but when when we talk about Big Ten ball, I mean, this this is a league you know so well. And have you been impressed with Nebraska's point of attack play on both sides of the line to this point? I know they're, they're 0 for this season, but uh, when it comes to strength and conditioning, I mean, Nebraska's, it looks like they're doing some nice things. I, I, I thought the defense played pretty well on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think you got to look at it a couple ways. So, you know, when I had this conversation on Saturday and Sunday with some football guys and some Nebraska folks that I'm friends with, I said, you know, there's a couple ways you got to look at this. Well, you know, one, um, yeah, I think they're starting to look like a Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, but my my concern, my concern watching them on defense, I think they got some great pluggers, right? And once again, Schmidt, I'm I'm a guy that's sitting on my couch watching this. Sure. Um, I'm not a guy that's in there till midnight, 10 o'clock, seven days a week watching film on the opponent and my own guys. You know, I don't have that, that privilege anymore, unfortunately. So, you know, those guys are doing that. They know better than anybody sitting at home um, in a, uh, on the couch. So, so, um, so I, I, I preface my opinion <laughs> with that. But what I see is who's the guy that can win a one-on-one? Who's the who's the playmaker, right? Who's the um, who's the guy that can come off the edge on a four-man pressure? Who's the three technique? I, I think they got some pluggers. I think what Nebraska is missing right now is that guy, right? On offense, I, I liked what they did against Ohio State. I, I didn't see I, I didn't see them knock Northwestern off the ball. I'm not saying that happened. Uh, that didn't happen, but you know when you're watching TV, it's just tough to see. And also, too, you know those guys are well coached on both sides of the ball. You know Northwestern's on scholarship, and without watching the tape, you know you're you're just kind of guessing. Um, but also, I think part of it too, it's it's you want to you want to pound you want to pound people, right? You 
just because, uh, you know, you get a minus one or no gain, don't give up on that run game. You know, the, the Big Ten is a conference that wears people down. You know, don't give up on that run so fast. And get downhill. Uh, the, the one thing I see so much in college football now is so much shotgun. These backs are running. They're offset. They're running sideways for three, four yards before they start to get downhill. Mm. It drives me absolutely crazy on short yardage when I see a quarterback in a shotgun. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think I think Nebraska's getting closer, but they're not quite right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they, you know, I think the offensive line is developing, and, and I can tell you, what's go- I tell you what helps an offensive line is, a, is good perimeter play, um, where defense has to honor that passing game. Gotta, gotta, gotta honor four verticals, gotta honor those type of routes, gotta help on a number two receiver, gotta help over top on a great tight end that can stretch a field. That's, to me, will be critical in the next two years to Nebraska building a program where they can compete. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes. Rick Kaczynski's with us, former Nebraska defensive line coach. We're talking Nebraska. Penn State here on Hale Varsity. they got to beat the people that look like, like them right now. And they look like a Northwestern. I think they're more talented. They look like a Michigan State. Iowa, they got to beat the teams. That's the first step in the process. You know, before you can compete for, you got to beat the people that look like you. And I think that's where they need to get Schmitty. And you know, they got to find some guys, a difference maker here and there. You you don't need you don't need a, a, a ten difference makers, right? You need two or three here and there. And I think those are the missing pieces of the puzzle right now. And where I look at, mm-hmm. where are the indicators? for 2021, right? Where, What tells you that you're going to get that? And who are the guys that are going to become that in 2021? That's what I'm looking at as I'm watching these games on Saturdays. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, longtime assistant at Nebraska. Coach, uh, want to get your take on Penn State, James Franklin. You guys uh, played Penn State a lot when you were at Nebraska. It was O'Brien that was there, I think, and maybe a year with James, if, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, I, I think you missed James. But the point is, is yeah. he's recruited at an extremely high level. They've been right there. They've been unable to upend Ohio State with the exception of the block kick game uh, a few years back. So they are over, man, and they've been just reeling. Maryland took them to the woodshed. Uh, and and that was a bit surprising. They they hung in with Ohio State, and then they're still reeling. It feels like from from the Indiana thriller. You know what do you see with this Penn State squad? Because they they look pretty loaded, but they've not been great to my untrained eye on the lines of scrimmage. They don't look Penn State great, at least back in the day. Well, I I, I think you know when when you look at Penn State, there, there's there's been very few years they haven't had good players. Right um, from the beginning, from the beginning of time, from Rip Engle to Joe Paterno, um, Billy O'Brien, um, you, you name it. And Coach Franklin's done a heck of a job recruiting Pennsylvania, recruiting New Jersey, recruiting Maryland, uh, all those bordering states. Uh, you got 12 million people alone in the state of Pennsylvania, and then you're surrounded by millions of people. So it's a hotbed of recruiting. They lost a lot of guys. Lost a lot of guys. Um, 
you know, but Jacecki, he is a guy that is a, he is a threat. He's a guy that can stretch the field. Um, you know, they lost some skill. They're down, I think, to their third, fourth running back. Obviously, that's hurt them a little bit. So that's going to make the that's going to make the line look a little soft. But sure. also, too, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't want to. I want to give all due respect to to Penn State, but they're they're not playing anywhere near the level they they're capable of playing. And that's what makes me nervous because I I got a pretty good idea of what they do have. They they are talented up front on offense and they have some guys whether they're young not developed yet they got some talented guys on defense also so um so they got they got players they just haven't put it together um you know the quarterback play been a little bit subpar you you don't want him to to get rolling um this week you don't want you don't want that to happen you gotta you gotta avoid that but you also you got a guy you got a person with a with a uh, ton of experience yeah. there, a ton, a ton of experience. And you know what he's capable of. What you've seen is he has been consistent in the past. And, um, you know, that's what would make me nervous. And, you know, you got a team, both teams, they're hungry for a win. And, you know, two, there aren't going to be too many uh, uh, games on Saturday where you have 0-2 and 0-3 team with the history, tradition, and, and the interest that those two teams are going to garner. So, um, um, but you know, don't think that you're going to walk in and and, and ever uh, lay down. Penn State's going to lay down for you. It's never been an easy game, no matter where I've been, player, player, coach, Iowa, Nebraska, you name it. Kaz, you're right on. Uh, that's that's maybe a bit of a fear that is out there. Is Saturday the day that they put it together, and with their talent, they they could explode and just go off. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, a couple of last thoughts. Uh, wanted to, to get your, your take on Randy Gregory. Randy's story has been well documented, and Randy's uh, getting a chance to play football again. I know Dallas didn't hang on against Pittsburgh, but, man, he, uh, he had a, a pretty nice impact. Uh, some nice plays in the run game. Also got after Roethlisberger quite a bit, but it's good to see Randy out there doing his thing. Absolutely, you know, um, and that, that's uh, that's the great thing about that organization. What you know, one of the great things that they did, and there's probably, uh, I was going to say, not a whole lot of organizations in, in the NFL. They're probably the only organization that would have put the effort and time in to um, to a guy like Randy. And I and I understand it. You know, I, I recruited him. I was in his home. Had the privilege of coaching him. I I, I understand. Um, why they would do that? Invest in him because he he he's a he's a good person with a problem, mm-hmm. and um, and he's he's worth investing. Now, if he if he couldn't get to the quarterback, sure. you know, is there uh, many avenues? Are there many people in this country that would invest with the person or, or give them them as many chances? Pro- probably not not, but that is the situation, um, and. Um, and it was great. It's great that great to see him out there. And um, no matter what's happened in in the past, I think you know Randy's a guy that uh, you can look at and say, you know what? Okay, I, I I'm taking advantage of the help that I receive. Mm-hmm. And it's just great to see him back out there. Um, and if he was a bad guy and a bad teammate, I promise you, 
I promise you the Cowboys would not have invested in them, just like how we invested in them from Dennis LeBlanc, you know, you you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody. It just wasn't Bo, myself, and the staff. I mean, it was it was that entire building, and that's just not for Randy Gregory. That's for all the student athletes. So, um, you know, that's the great thing about coaching. That's some of the things I miss, but that's also hopefully – Hopefully that ends up a, a great, great story that he continues to stay on this positive track. And, and you know, because ultimately not only is he re- representing himself and the Cowboys, but, you know, that, that guy, he represents uh, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's a guy that we can all be proud of here. So let's, let's, uh, let's hope and pray he, he stays on that and gets the guidance and the help he needs to uh, – to do what he's doing. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Plenty of thoughts here from Coach Kaz going over Nebraska, Penn State. Thoughts on Northwestern. You know, where, where's Nebraska going uh, with this season? And some good insight there by Nebraska's former defensive line coach. Uh, head coach uh, Kaz on last Tuesday. It was awesome to get caught up with him again. We'll wind down a Tuesday edition and be sure to get the podcast from Hail Varsity and uh, we'll have a little bit more with Coach Kaz here before we say goodbye. We're up against a hard out, so I want Coach Kaz to come back, and uh, we'll for sure chat with him about Malik Collins and uh, Malik doing work with uh, Coach Gruden in Vegas. But give us a review. Tell us what you think, and uh, do appreciate you tuning in live or for sure on the podcast and get that at uh, Of course, Apple or Spotify, or Google Play. But uh, check it out. That'll be uh, also on ESPNLincoln.com. One more thought with Coach Kaz, some NFL, right after this. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski's with us, uh, former Nebraska defensive line coach. Kaz, uh, about a minute and a half here. But another guy, Malik Collins, nice free agent deal with Chucky in Vegas. But man, he's been a big time impact guy for 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 Vegas. They're five and three, another tight win for them. But uh, you got to be smiling about what Malik's doing. Yeah, he's you know it's fun. it's ironic that that you say that, Chris, because he's uh, he texted me. I think what was it last Wednesday? Oh yeah. He just said you know I'm just not I'm not I'm not myself. I'm not playing out there. And we were talking, just asking questions. Uh, I was asking him questions. What's you know what's he seeing? Uh, well, once again, it's really hard when you're when you're on watching it on TV uh, or on a phone, you know, to, to break down technique. But uh, we talked to talked and text through some things. Um, but that's what I love about that kid. Um, you know, he's not playing. He might be playing up to the standard of what's expected of him, but not what's expected of himself. Sure. And that's that's why Malik Collins is such a great player and um you know i I, everybody's gonna have a bad game everybody's gonna have a bad play um you know what i always told my you're not allowed to have two bad bad games in a row you're not allowed to have two bad plays in a row and that's that's malik collins that guy he's gonna do whatever he has to do to succeed and um and then he gonna he gonna make others around him better so 
Yeah, it's just great. It's just great to see, uh, you know, the guys that you recruit, you see where they come from, um, you know, you see their homes and you see how these guys struggle. The things that the fans don't get to see, um, you know, you see where they live, you see the environments that they came out of, uh, a lot of times not very friendly, and, and they've overcome a lot even before they get to college. Um, and uh, it's just great to see a guy like that, you know, taking care of his money, taking care of his family, and um, even a better dude than he is a football player. So, yeah, just just love that guy. And, you know, great days ahead. You know, he got a one-year deal. If he plays well, he'll be uh, his next contract. Schmitty will be, will be set for life, and hopefully he gets me that watch he promised me about five years ago. <laughs> Rick Kaczynski is with us. Kaz, we'll do this again, man. Love chatting with you. It's always fun, buddy. Same here, man. Take care, bro. No big rest. Got to love that. So the story goes uh, with Kaz and Malik. You uh, you get drafted, just buy me a watch. You know, because the response was, you know, from Malik Collins to Coach Kaczynski. Coach, uh, you know, paraphrasing, but love you, can't can't thank you enough. What can I do to, to, to repay you, to say thanks? And Kaz is like, well, dude, my job was to not screw you up. <laughs> you know? And two, just get me a nice watch. <laughs> well, Kaz is still waiting on that watch. So, pretty good stuff. Uh, it's been fun. The last couple of Tuesdays, chat with Coach Kaczynski. And uh, good to see Randy do his thing last uh, Sunday night. And Malik's, Malik's awesome. So, a couple of former Huskers there and good insight. Fun show. A lot of guests today. But uh, some really good to insight. Uh, Rob Zadiska, Dr. Rob with us. Mitch Sherman, fantastic. Rick Pizzo, incredible. And then an extended sit-down with Coach Kaczynski. Tomorrow we'll have uh, part of that Penn State lineage, Jay Paterno. Longtime assistant with Penn State football with us. Happy birthday, Carson Schmidt. We're going for that steak right now. Talk to you tomorrow.